Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome back to the channel. My name is David Lewis, and here is where we talk about the methods and technologies for driving growth on Demand Gen Radio. And today I'm very excited to introduce you to a new guest of the program. And one of the reasons I'm very excited is this is someone from our own advisory team here at BDO Digital. And I thought it would be really good for you guys to talk with and hear from someone on our advisory team on an area that we like to say is the unsung hero of revenue growth. So without further ado, let's grab Randy Latimer. Randy, good to see you. Great to see you, Dave. Glad to be here. Glad to be on Demand Gen TV and radio. Yeah, if you guys don't know, some of you are listening to this on your favorite podcast app, which is great. Um, but hey, we're also on our YouTube channel, which is the fastest way to get there is demandgen.tv. In case you want to see Randy and I riff, uh, along with all the other content, Randy, you know that we post show and tell. And we just did a whole bunch of episodes on Sendoso for sending gifts. And a lot of that gift sending is certainly done from a prospecting perspective, but there's also a ton of gift giving that goes to customers, uh, especially when they're doing testimonials or providing reviews. So let's start with a question for you, which is, you know, why? Why is it the unsung hero? To me, if if the majority of revenue for a company comes from their install base every single year, uh, why do we take that so much for granted? And why don't we look at growing those numbers when it's not a pandemic? Because we know during the pandemic, there's a little bit more focus. But as uh, as an advisor who talks to tons of our clients, why is it the unsung hero? Well, Dave, What's interesting is, you know, for most organizations, it's all about organic growth, finding new clients. And unfortunately, what happens is demand demand expansion, it takes a back seat because the, you know, when you talk about demand generation, uh, that is the sexiness. That is what everyone wants to focus on. You know, when we speak with companies, whether they're getting serious funding, the first thing they want to talk about is, you know, we got to have numbers to show the investors, et cetera. And I kind of view demand expansion as almost like money in the couch. You know, you sit on a couch every day, but you don't expect it. But when you do inspect it, you find you find little nuggets of information, mm-hmm. history and that type of stuff. And I think that's what demand expansion does. It, it provides connectivity to your client to your customers in a way that you've already have access to that you're not taking advantage of. We're, we're in a very interesting business because, you know, the work that you and the rest of the team does, you, we help, at least in our group, we help marketers drive revenue through technologies and methodologies and marketing never ends. The worry, it's not like, Hey, we're good. You know, if you're in construction and you build a building, at some point, you're done. I mean, you're going to do interior decorating, cleaning, maintenance, that type of stuff. But it's a project that has a starting point and an ending point. Marketing has no ending point ever. It is a constant journey of driving revenue and driving growth. And as the guy who, you know, I coined the phrase demand gen, I never, Randy, intended for demand gen to mean net new customers. Demand generation, uh, just like our D3 methodology, is a holistic term for encapsulating net new customers and your install base, what you uh, referenced as we call demand expansion. But I don't, I don't, I don't get it why there's not more often a marketing team within marketing that just focuses on the customer base. All the resources, all the money is often just overbalanced 
for net new customers and not even sometimes a marketing team focused on the install base. Do you, are you seeing any trends, any changes in that? But that's been my experience. Well, I'm seeing some trends and changes in that is slowly, but you're right though, Dave, I do believe that when you talk about demand generation, demand management, demand expansion, it is a continuous loop. It never stops. Your customers, um, customers graduate from one stage to the next stage and they go back and they recycle over again. What I'm noticing is that as growth is becoming harder and harder in terms of acquiring new clients, many customers now are taking a step back and, and looking more at their demand management and their demand expansion efforts, realizing that, hey, that we have, we have an installed client base that is, that is quite uh, knowledgeable of our brand, the services that we offer, and we're not taking advantage of that. And not taking advantage of it, not in a negative way, but in a way of saying, how do we further that relationship further mm -hmm. than what we currently have? You know, we, you know, when you look at demand generation, a lot of times you walk into the client's office as a vendor, as a short-term transactional relationship. But as time develops, as you start nurturing those relationships, as I say, as you start dating them, getting to know them better, what happens is that relationship changes. And now you have a little more capital and a little more credit with that client to actually do more things. And they see you in a different light. And once they start seeing you in a different light, then you can really expand the relationship and demand expansion efforts in a way that you've never thought you could. Yeah. I think uh, we were talking about being intentional in other areas this morning. I, I think it's a lack of intentionality. I, uh, we're going to the BDO annual partner conference coming up at the beginning of September. And it's taking place in Orlando, Florida, and all the partners across the organization mm -hmm. USA are going. It's at Disney World. And so I said to my daughter, and I said to my wife, hey, I'm going to be in Orlando first week of September. You guys want to fly out there and do the Disney thing while I'm at the conference? And then, you know, at the end of the week when I'm all wrapped up, I'll come join you guys if you want to stick around that long. What was their mm -hmm. answer, of course? Yes. Heck yeah. My daughter's love, family, whole family loves Disney World. That started on a customer journey because I don't think there's anyone better that I've experienced other than Disney or the Disney Resort Group that does demand expansion really well because right. they, have interact, they have integrated the mobile app, they have integrated the reservation system, they have integrated the entire experience. And when my daughter is now planning their visit to the property, Disney is definitely maximizing customer lifetime value in not just getting a ticket sale, but getting additional commitments and bookings and revenues from ticket sales, dining, properties, and certainly there will be um, plenty of upsell, cross-sell merchandising opportunity. They have, they literally probably on hundreds of whiteboards have mapped out different types of attendees at different ages and a different, you know, loyalty, a repeat customer versus new. And their focus is certainly to maximize revenue in that experience. But that's B2C. And we don't see the same thing that often in B2B, but that's literally what it takes. And in our, our D3 methodology, I'll put some links uh, in the show description to our materials. You know their D3 gets its name from demand creation, demand mm -hmm. management, and demand expansion. And in demand expansion, all the elements that need to get focused on, one is the customer journey. How often do you see or have discussions with customers when you first start engaging with them on looking at what their customer journey is to upsell, cross-sell, gain adoption, and, and that type of stuff? What I've noticed is, Dave, when we, when we get a new client, um, for the most part, we're focused on the first two gears, uh, demand generation and demand management. Mm -hmm. As the engagement progresses, 
what we're noticing is that there are the conversations about demand expansion, which we start usually when we first start the engagement. Now, now they're, they're, they're leaning in forward. They want to learn more about that. And also, too, one of the things that what I've noticed about demand expansion with many of my clients is it depends on where they are in their business stage, what's happening in the organization. And a lot of times, or what's happening in the competitive marketplace, that's kind of like a trigger point to start those conversations. To your point about Disney, one of the things that Disney does, and also another brand uh, I worked at many years ago that does a lot of uh, B2B business, is that in order for demand expansion to really work, you have to know your customer's journey. You have to intimately know the customer's journey and also learn how to communicate with them in a way that that aligns with where they are in that customer journey. And when you do that, again, it just, the floodgates of opportunity just, it, it, it's just, it, it's so abundant that you just can't believe it. So Randy, uh, I remember a workshop where we had uh, a client that said, we're not doing anything in terms of marketing to our install base. And I'm like, anything, anything? They said, no, we don't have, um, they start off by like, we don't even have in our CRM segmentation, proper segmentation to know who our customers are. I mean, that was like, you know, alarm bells going off that as an opportunity closes, they were not doing anything on their CRM account status to actually mark them as a current customer. So I remember the team started with like a data discovery to figure out how well the database was segmented because you can't do any kind of install-based marketing uh, unless you actually know who your customers are. <clears throat> and they had customer information in their ERP system and in the backend infrastructure, but they hadn't properly been um, doing things. So I remember it, it, they were using Salesforce and we even coded a process that when an opportunity closes, it would automatically change the status of the type at the account level to them being a customer. And therefore, when that program ran, we then triggered all the contacts that are associated with that account in a particular way to mark those contacts as customers. So we started with this foundational work to just even set them up to be able to do install-based marketing. And then I remember what we did from a journey perspective is we said, okay, let's put a taxonomy in place that says there's a difference between someone who's a new client and someone who all the way on the right end uh, is a loyalist, like not going anywhere. And right. I think it was, I think it was Box. It was one of the data storage companies that was a client of ours where they said, hey, we could just move the needle on revenue if we could get them to move into our software. And I said, well, tell me more about that. And what they were saying was if someone signs a license for 50 users or 100 users or 500 users, they were tracking in the back end how many licenses had been distributed. Uh, and they knew that, you know, if somebody bought the software but wasn't, getting adoption by their user base, then there would be a trit attrition that would happen in the year later because they're like, oh, we've only deployed to 20 users even though we bought a 50 user license. And so it actually attrits revenue instead of even growing revenue. So wow. I would just say, you know, from a, a building block of success, you've got to get your data in place uh, to do that. What have you seen, you know, once the data's in place, what kind of engagements uh, are we having to look at let, let's start off with maybe um, adoption or onboarding. You've got a brand new client and maybe they buy, I changed my Wi-Fi system out this past weekend, courtesy of my son-in-law who had made a recommendation. Um, there was some upsell and cross-sell that happened in the mobile app as I was configuring it, but I, I don't know if anything else is gonna come from it. So what do we do from a B2B perspective when 
you know, now you're now we've we've got the data segmented. Are you having discussions with with marketing teams about the content strategy or onboarding strategy and adoption strategy for for B2B? Yes, we are. I mean, for example, uh, with one client, what we were doing is they noticed that they had a drop off. In other words, the churn rate was increasing. So what we did was we spoke with them about creating some surveys, going to those clients, asking them why are they leaving? That's one of the best things about brand expansion is that you can start surveying your customers in such a way that they will be very honest in their answers, that you will get invaluable information that you can actually utilize um, for your next wave of customers that actually use the project. So we did that. We developed a survey, which we saw some trigger points that indicated that uh, at a certain point, uh, the communications between the, the client and their, their customers was dropping off, which led to a significant amount of churn and customer service uh, issues. In addition to that, uh, another thing that we like to do is do a, uh, what we do, a, account scoring, scoring their accounts. Uh, helping them de develop the parameters that make most sense to their business, you know, in terms of the product usage, how long have they, been, how long have they been with the company? How many products are they, are they utilizing? Which products are they using? Is it a, is it a certain suite of products? Those types of things right there. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, so those are some of the, those are some of the very low hanging fruit things that we've done to help elevate the discussion. That's a but key more, point. You know, when you talk about account scoring, most most of our clients either have some type of lead scoring system in place when we start working with them and if they don't you know we'll we'll, we'll put that in foundationally but they rarely ever have an account scoring model and it takes a lot of the same um intellect uh and muscle memory that's been developed around lead scoring but to apply it at an account level and you hit on a few of those things which is what matters in terms of account success and we've built models as you know around are they sticking in trouble tickets how many trouble tickets are coming in through their customer experience platform how much use like i talked to earlier in adoption has been out there what's the revenue size uh of this account and they use a lot of different attributes to determine the customer lifetime value score in which they have and what their potential is so they can target them with uh with campaigns we're seeing more of that right but um I don't think it's intuitive for people to look at an account scoring model and develop that within the CRM and leverage marketing automation for moving them up in that scoring model. You're absolutely right, Dave. And also too, um, uh, we also see account scoring is, is becoming very, is a, is a key foundational element, even when we talk about um, ABM, account-based marketing. Yeah. Uh, and so we've been able to utilize the learnings from ABM to help in terms of uh, brand uh, um expansion as real as it relates to demand expansion uh you're absolutely right uh, account scoring um we have been able to uh utilize those principles um to help the clients ha get a clear picture of what's happening with their customers what's happening in the account so that they can start developing the strategies and the uh and the touch governance and the, and the communication streams that are relevant to them so that they can keep that ongoing dialogue I don't mean to uh, shit on ADT a little bit because I'm I'm very happy customer of theirs. <laughs> However, their database is so jacked. Not a client, by the way, but their database is so jacked. Apparently, my home system needed to get upgraded with a new either cellular or some piece of equipment. They sent me three letters initially. The third one, I definitely like, okay, I need to pay attention to this. Contacted them, scheduled it. 
got the maintenance repair. It's been done for months, but I've still received, I would say, at least five more direct pieces of mail and four calls, even of late, trying to get me to do this upgrade. And every time they contact me, I'm like, I'm now answering your calls because I keep thinking like the alarm's going off at home, but I'm like, I've already had it. And they go, oh, we see that. So whatever is happening in what that call center is seeing is not making its way into the database. I, I give these stories about my experience with ADT because, and I'm not sure if it's clear, like I look at all those touch points an organization has with their customer, someone in the house, someone on a phone uh, with a customer. There's certainly email and, and there's even a mobile device. And I just, I really think the takeaway from what, one of the takeaways this session is, is for marketing and sales teams to really inspect what they expect. If they are not being intentional with their install-based customer marketing, whether there's a data challenge or whether there's just a lack of focus, that's gotta be addressed. I know you and the team do it, but it's it's surprising to me how this is, like you said, it's, it's the unsung hero in revenue growth. And I only think it got a little better in the last couple of years because of COVID, because it was hard harder to get new customers and and certainly prospects when things started because it felt a little recessionary and people were backing off and didn't know where it would go. And then people kind of got into hurry up mode and caught up. But, uh, you know, we, we saw that. What what else from a prescriptive perspective are you advising clients besides looking at the customer journey and looking at their, you know, content strategy to grow revenue in the install base? Well, it's back to what you, your example, Dave, of, of AT&T. And that is data orchestration with all these touch points, making sure that the data is being orchestrated in a very seamless, relevant way. Uh, we bring in um, our guys, our essays and our, and our data people, and we work with these clients so they can understand where the data is going. Mm -hmm. You know, how's it flowing? You know, is it talking to this system? Is it not talking to this systems? And, and that is very important because as you, as you indicated, when you have these breaks in data, the chain, uh, it can it can present to the customer a very negative experience about your brand. And one of the things that we're trying to do is a brand is about building trust with customers. Mm -hmm. And so what we try to do with all our customers is talk about how do we build that trust? We build that trust by having good data. We build that trust by having it orchestrated right. We build that, that trust by speaking with our clients have them speaking with their clients to understand what is relevant, what is not relevant. And we have them and we have them do all these things because we realize that it's not one thing, it's not a silver bullet. It's almost like a shotgun shell. When a shotgun shell is full of many silver BBs, mm -hmm. buckshots, and you have to have all those buckshots in concert to be effective. Mm -hmm. And that's what we and that's what we're doing with the with utilizing the D3 methodology. You know, we're saying that Demand expansion has to have the same level of attention and focus as both demand management Absolutely. and demand generation. Because remember, it's gears. When you look at visually, look at it, it's a set of gears. Yeah. One gear is not moving faster than the other. Right. They're all moving they're all, in concert. They're all moving in concert. And that is one of the key lessons that we, we're constantly talking to our clients. It is not about one. It's about three. You know, one plus one plus one in this instance does not equal three. It equals five or six. My... My approach has always been, I, you know, prior to starting Demand Gen, which is now part of BDO, when I was running marketing at LMA, we had two marketing teams. We had the net new marketing team and the install-based marketing team. 
And we were meticulous about segmenting our database as such because you talked about the brand experience. There is nothing worse. Well, there's probably things worse, but it feels really crappy when a company is marketing to you as a prospect and they don't realize that you're a customer because a switch hasn't been flipped, data hasn't been done um, to signify that you are now a customer and not a prospect. But even worse, the insult to injury is now that I'm a customer and you have different options, different services, uh, different ways to, to expand the relationship that we have, and I'm not getting marketed to those, except maybe the random act of marketing. Oh, there's a webinar, let's invite our install base to it. Oh, there's an event, customer appreciation event, let's invite our customers to it. And you know at those customer appreciation events, it's a customer appreciation event. You're not having an in-depth conversation you know, with them about what they're doing. You're socializing with them and, and showing how much you appreciate their business. But it's the all the other experiences that are, are needed. I bought a lawnmower the other day because my lawnmower died. And I was blown away to see that they had a QR code and online registration system for the lawnmower. And it was very shortly after this tutorial uh, that they already started to do some outbound marketing. I'm like, B2C gets it. Day in and day out, they know, you know, especially I watch, you know, married with two daughters, a lot of, you know, upsell, cross-sell happens from B2C fashion brands to the family. And I think we got to provide the same rigor in B2B uh, and take lessons from there. I probably these days would hire people from B2C into B2B environments to be part of this marketing team that you're you're talking about because they just get it. They, they well, live you know, and die by it. Well, you know what's interesting, Dave? I, had, I just did a workshop the other day about that. And I had to explain to the to the marketers in the room, I said, you got to understand most of your marketing experiences are from a B2C perspective. You know, that is the litmus test. That's how you one. judge everything. Mm -hmm. And so why don't we apply those principles? If we are all in agreement that Nike and all the other brands do a great job, why can't we do the same thing when, as it comes to industrial pumps mm -hmm. or, or technology? The fact is that we have, a, we have a loyal user base, which is a community, just like a B2C. It is a community. Yeah. They've already given you license because they love your product. They're using your product. And let's, and let's utilize those same principles. And so uh, we're working with clients right now on that. And, uh, and it's amazing how they are, they are gravitating toward the fact is that we are, we are a community within the B2B world. So uh, I think your point is well taken. And it's something that I'm very adamant about all the time. It's just hard to time slice. If, you, if, you're not, if you're not a focused team on the install base, I know some marketing teams aren't big enough to divide and conquer, but most of our clients in the mid-market enterprise, they're certainly large enough um, to have that type of structure. And we're, we're seeing that uh, more. From a marketing standpoint, is there anything that's more or less effective from a content or channel perspective in the install base that you're seeing You know, these days? There's always an over-reliance on email, but are there other things I mentioned, You know, gifting and sending with, with tools like Sendoso, and it doesn't have to be just a gift that you're sending out, you can automate onboarding and other engagement uh, things that you're saying. What are you, what are you seeing or, or what do you recommend people look at in terms of having an omni-channel? You mentioned ABM, which I was glad earlier to use the tools to really target customers in that perspective. Well, one of the things that I've, I'm seeing that, that was with many of my clients, the, the use of webinars from educational and service related, you know, in, in terms of, uh, use, and also using webinars as almost focus groups. Yeah. 
going out to their install base and asking them questions about the product or the service that they're being offered and getting their feedback. Um, Intuit does a great job of that. Um, you know, they, they have a community. And so one of the things that we're doing with content is forcing, uh, not forcing, but really recommending that our clients think about it as a community and event and utilizing the, the technologies, whether the tactic is uh, utilizing net promoter or, or webinars or emails, but just reimagining or re-envisioning how you can utilize that tactic in a way uh, that has never been used before. Again, uh, email is a distribution mechanism. So, you, so we're sending a message out through this channel called email. Now, what do we do with that message? How do we transform that message to where that is not the message that they've currently see, received before? And so those are some of the things that we're doing with our content strategy team, that we're sitting down with a lot of our clients and, and really forcing them. We're whiteboarding this stuff. We're walking into a room with a blank sheet of paper and saying, hey, if we had to do the ideal communication stream based upon the personas of your clients, your customers, their pain points, where they are in the process, let's, let's make a world that they would enjoy. You know, So that's what we've been doing a lot of these past couple months since I've been here. I want to hit one more topic for you, you know, related, but, but slightly different in this, you know, what, what fails feels like, or is a recessionary period, um, advice or thoughts you have for marketers tuning into us in terms of what you're seeing clients either do or not do, uh, in this period. I mean, one of the things I saw was, uh, a little concern and pause for discretionary marketing dollars and making sure that there wasn't any kind of waste that's happening out there, get the greatest ROI, which back to ROI marketing to your install base is always a great way to move the needle on revenue uh, in, in these times. But anything else that you're seeing or, or people not doing or uh, in this in this period? Again, um, like you mentioned, we from COVID, we went to a brand, exp, um, uh, a, a demand expansion moment. Now, since we're, quote, out of COVID, out of the out of the deep the, the deep part of COVID, you're seeing you're seeing, again, the shift back to demand generation. Mm -hmm. uh, you're seeing a lot of that still occurring, but however, though, it's not as quickly as I thought it was going to happen. Uh, clients now are really sticking with the second and third gear more than ever. Mm -hmm. The management and the expansion, realizing that if you get the demand management right, it actually lessens lessens the workload that demand expansion has. Right. So we're seeing more of that. So uh, right now we're focusing a lot on getting our clients uh, in, in the nurturing process mm -hmm. uh, but as we are building the foundation for their demand expansion efforts, yeah. uh, because we realize that that is going to, that, that foundation will definitely uh, help accelerate the results they see on the back end well, as it relates well, to demand expansion. Ryan Johnson, who, who leads the advisory group, as you know, um, he was talking about that this morning on a call that we were on. He was showing, you know, the funnel and he was showing that if, hey, if you can just improve conversion rates right here at the top of the funnel, just a couple percentage points, you more than double revenue. So and what does that is demand management, you know, having a great lead scoring system, having a great uh, well-defined demand funnel that sales and marketing aligns on and, and having uh, nurture streams for all those different stages of the funnel. Do some work there, like you said, in demand management, you're going to drive more revenue growth. Um, in demand creation, you know, the first D of the D3 methodology, um, I am seeing people increase their spend now in online advertising. Uh, they're picking webinars back up. And as you said, repositioning their webinars much more as training uh, and really value add, giving more to the audience than they're trying to get back. Uh, and I'm seeing a lot of changes in, in content strategy. I think we, the pendulum shifted too far 
in terms of thought leadership. There was just a lot of content being created and thought leadership uh, to try to raise you know awareness maybe for a topic of interest. But when you just cover a specific category of, of uh, content and not really directly related to the problem you solve for that, uh, then yeah, you might create a lot of noise in the market, and a lot of interest and some good reads, but somebody might not be as connected. And so what I'm seeing is a you know, pendulum shift a little bit more to content that's designed to educate a customer on, we have a solution to a given problem that you have. And I always think that you should do a mix, combination of thought leadership and true demand generation content. I think the pendulum shifted too far, the thought leadership for too long, and we became like, marketers became like publishers uh, and just putting out tons and tons and tons and tons of content, huge demands, but not really moving the needle as much on true lead generation because of, of that. Anything else you're seeing or, or changes? Well, I mean, you actually, you, you hit on so many right there, Dave. I, I can't, I don't even know how to unpack all that. That's like a steamer trunk of, of great <laughs> nuggets right there. But but you're absolutely right. I mean, we're, we're seeing a, a lot of our clients are becoming publishing houses. They're just content generation machines and they're not understanding why the ROI is not is not taking hold. Um, you know, one of the things I think in the in the blog I wrote there, I think four or five things that people should consider. And one is the um, understanding, knowing your customer intimately. That is that is very important right there. I think a lot of times um, marketers out there do not do not have the depth in their content to actually uncover the layers within their within their current install base to know where they are in the process. Yeah. Because again, they're so focused on um, the um, acquisition of clients that they're not uh, moving them probably at the same rigor as they would with, with acquisition. So we, again, we're, we're trying to get clients to focus more on that because we know that we know there will always be focus on acquisition. It is just that second and third gears um, where we see a lot of opportunity resides yeah. that they're not taking advantage of. That was a good blog post that you wrote. And you know, that that's one of those where I will make sure we put a link to it in the, in the description. Uh, and that's one where, you know, it is thought leadership content that you were sharing. You wanted to give a couple very key points and share around why demand expansion is the unsung hero in driving revenue. And you wrote that article and, and put it out there, uh, you know, not with a reference to like, hey, these are services that we can help and provide you with. Someone might make that connection, but it is that balance. I mean, you, you know, somebody may also not. They may just like, hey, I read this great article by Randy Latimer about things I need to do to drive revenue out of my install base. Good thoughts, go off and, and do that stuff. And then someone might go, hey, maybe I should reach out to these guys and get some help in that you know, area. You know what's interesting, Dave? I've gotten, I've gotten uh, uh, calls uh, from clients who are saying that that blog actually helped them build the business case yeah. for demand expansion. Once they saw, uh, the, there was one phrase in there that really stuck with many of my clients, and that was that it's cheaper to keep them. And they realized that the ROI is much more impactful uh, by going after the install base uh, versus um, shifting a tremendous amount of funds over the acquisition base. So um, again, um, I have one client that is that is significant right now that they've received significant results in their um, in their brand. I mean, excuse me, their demand expansion activities that now it has become a key strategic lever for them. Nice. They saw upwards upwards increases in sales of about 10 to 15%. Well, when you when you do get the data right, 
as a marketer, if you want to show the best ROI, run campaigns to your install base. They're just easier to sell to. It's easier to track the revenue growth. Uh, when you generate interest, sales will follow up because they're a customer more often than not than this, hey, I don't know if this prospect is really a valid prospect. When you're when your install base raises their hand, there was a there was a contact us form that came in the other day from one of our clients. And even though when contact us forms come in off of our website, you know, bells, you know, roll off uh, if, mm-hmm. if the lead score is right and the fit is right. We know like this is someone raising their hand. It's not someone trying to sell something to us. Those do get followed up. But when it's from a customer, I would say, you know, it's 30 minutes or less in terms of someone reaching out to them, the systems that we have in place. Because two things go to mind. One is if a customer is going to your website and reaching out to you, there's possibly a break between them not, maybe it's a new person who doesn't know they're a customer, or maybe um, the person who is working that on account or customer success rep is no longer assigned to it. So whatever reason, somebody goes to the website and reaches out, or some companies direct people to the website to reach out. But your right. customer should have follow-up in minutes, not in days, uh, you know, certainly. So you got to make sure you put in the processes, and we've certainly done that uh, to do that. Good stuff. Hey. Well, and you become sales best friend too, because you really you you you're, you're sales brother. And I mean, if we're saying we want to align and integrate sales, uh, brand, I mean, demand expansion is one of the best ways to strengthen that relationship. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, I want to thank you, Randy. I want to tell everybody if you want any time with Randy and have a conversation with him, he spends a lot of his time focusing on that third D of the D three methodology, demand expansion, but certainly proficient in all the different areas of demand generation. Feel free to reach out to him on LinkedIn, Randy Latimer. He's a senior advisor, like I said, at BDO Digital. You guys can always reach out to me. And if I don't have the answers, I will connect you with my team. But, you know, ask yourselves, listening to this episode, are you guys being intentional enough with your marketing efforts to maximize revenue from the install base? If not, think about some of those things that we talked about, getting your data house in order, uh, looking at your content strategy, defining what the customer journey looks like, is like, and mapping your outreach through more than just email, but through omni-channel to get the additional value that you can provide to your customers. Find out, as Randy said, what matters to them. Do focus groups and find out what their ongoing needs and pain points are, especially if you're in the tech area. See if they're getting value fast enough from your technology so that you don't have an attrition rate uh, that's below 95 percent you know you want a retention rate that's 95 percent or higher each year 90 percent is like the floor and if you're losing more than that you either have a significant problem with your product uh or michael most likely you're not making sure they're getting value out of it uh in that first year but thank you man for joining uh on the program i'm going to have more members of ryan's team more of the advisory people on there because you guys are doing such great work but thank you my friend oh thank you my friend and again um to all the clients out there potential clients and customers hey please um, please give us a call. We can really help you accelerate your growth. I appreciate you saying that. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio and Demand Gen TV. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope it was a little thought-provoking and ways that you can generate revenue beyond just trying to find the net new. That's going to do it for this episode. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. 